Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. So today, as Brian said, we're looking at baptism and teaching. And for those of you who aren't aware, we're for the May Mission Month, we're going through the Great Commission and unpacking it sort of line by line. But I'll read out Matthew chapter 28 from verse 16. So the last words Jesus gave to his disciples. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now last week we looked at discipleship. Um, Do you remember the word I used to describe a disciple? What is a disciple? Apprentice. Much easier, kind of more, more modern word, perhaps. Disciples serve that religious turn. An apprentice. You're an apprentice of Jesus. And as we discussed last Sunday, an apprentice is someone who does something with their hands, someone who is like a builder, a tradie. And that's how our life has been called to do with Jesus. It's not just head knowledge, it's lived out in action. Now, Jesus said that there are two things to do with how disciples are made. I read them out in that passage. How are disciples made? There are two things. What do we got to do? Baptize. And what's the other one? Teach. Baptizing and teaching. Now, it's interesting. What comes first? What's the order? Baptize. Yeah. And then you teach. Isn't that interesting? Because normally... In our modern churches, we, so certainly a Baptist church, we would teach people first and then baptize. Yeah? That's kind of what we do. In fact, that's what we're going to do next Sunday with our baptism service. We've done a whole bunch of teaching and then baptism. But Jesus says, baptize first and then teach, which is interesting. Now, if you're doing the small group study this week, I have a question, a curly question, which I'm not going to answer right now because we haven't got time, is, do you think the method or age at which a Christian is baptised is essential? There you go. That's a nice one. We have lots of different views on what baptism is. But let me give you a definition. Let's look at some Greek and some Hebrew. Baptism comes from the Greek verb. May I guess it? Baptizo. There you go. Baptizo. Isn't that nice and easy? Baptizo. And that means to dip under, to immerse, to sink down, to drown or to bathe. Oh, it's not there on the screen. Can we have that up, please, Fraser? Just, yep, next slide. There it is there. And so, baptizo, it also is a translation um, from another Hebrew word, which is raktus. Raktus. Got to get the in there. Which described a Jewish ritual washing. Okay, so that was the idea of baptism, was you immerse someone into the waters. Okay, that's nice and easy. We kind of got that there. Now, if we can look at the next slide, with Jesus giving the order of baptism, baptism coming first, teaching coming second, 
this does something that's a little controversial for what we're used to. Baptism is the initiation rite. When someone comes to faith, the idea was the first thing you do is you are baptized. It is a sign, it's, it's a marker that you have changed allegiance, that you're no longer in the kingdom of darkness, but now that you're in the kingdom of light. So you baptize someone first, and then you teach them. We seem to flip things. We want to teach people first, give them all the head knowledge, and then we baptize. Just saying baptism is the first act, the initiation right to show that someone has changed allegiances. And as I have been doing in this series, sort of, we're going to go into the nitty-gritty of the text now, and then I'll give some practical application. So we can flick over to the next slide. Now, in Matthew's Gospel, baptism appears twice. Twice. He uses the word baptism in two occasions. First one is Jesus' baptism. The second is obviously baptism at the end. Now, with baptism, it comes with the baptism of John. So if we can go back to that passage in Matthew chapter 3, I'm going to read out here some words from John the Baptist. Okay? So John the Baptist, says, this is from um, this. Uh, let's just read here. People went out to see him from Jerusalem or Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is ready at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Boom. Man, what a message. What a message. That's what John has been teaching. Now, John's baptism. This is really interesting. Like all the prophets, John is a prophet. He performs what we, what commentators call a prophetic sign act. Now, a sign act's just, it's, it's what the name suggests. is a sign. It's you do something like a performance to try to encourage your listener to change their behavior okay so what is john's message what's the summary of it pun repent yeah repent okay because god's fiery wrath is coming and so the sign of that fiery wrath is baptism this idea of repentance okay now if god's fiery wrath is coming the way to avoid that is to repent. Now, can John's baptism change people's hearts? Does it transform people's hearts? No. What's he say? He says, after me comes come one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He also talks about fire. Now, fire can be a sign of judgment, burning up Sodom and Gomorrah sort of stuff, or it can be purifying. Fire can purify. 
So John is here baptizing in the Jordan, proclaiming this message, this fiery message, telling people that they're all going to get burnt up, that God's judgment is poor, going to pour upon them unless they repent. And the sign of John's message is baptism. Okay, I kind of got that down pat. And then Jesus comes along and we read, when Jesus comes to be baptized... It says here from verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Okay, now we've established that the way to avoid God's wrath is to repent. John's baptizing as a sign of his message, his fiery message to repent. Now Jesus comes along. Now, Jesus obviously recognizes John as a prophet. He recognizes his teaching. Jesus recognizes that if Israel doesn't change, they're going to experience God's fiery wrath. And when Jesus rocks up, John's like, I can't baptize you. I can't do this. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says those words, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill or righteousness now if we can flick over to the next slide jesus name okay what does jesus name mean what's yeshua mean does anyone know anyone know what yeshua means call out pardon yeah god saves yahweh saves okay now i've established that in the bible your name reflects your mission your calling so Jesus' name is Yahweh, or Yahweh saves. God saves. All right, so in Matthew chapter 21, verse 1, we're told, when Mary will give birth to a son, you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I.e., that is the fulfillment of the righteousness that Jesus has been called to do. So with John's message, his fiery message of repentance, you're going to get burned off if you don't change this Baptism is a sign act of John's message. Now, Jesus rocks up and tells John, I need to be baptized by you. Essentially, what Jesus is doing, that fiery judgment that's going to be poured on Israel, Jesus saying, I'm taking that. I'm going to do that. And by being baptized into the waters, it's a sign act of a later act, pointing to Jesus' death upon the cross. It's a remarkable image. See, Jesus' baptism, it represents new creation. Jesus doesn't just baptize us with water like John. He baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. If we can flick over to the next slide, thanks, Fraser. And when Jesus comes out of that water, we know that the Spirit hovers like a dove. In fact, if you, you will never find the word Trinity in the Bible, but this is a moment where we see the Trinity in action, the, the Father's voice, Jesus the Son coming out of the water, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And there's a deliberate callback to the Old Testament. Can we think of a time where there was water and perhaps a flood? 
and there was a dove? Anyone think of a time where that happened? Noah. And so there went that, that dove go out and Noah's name means comfort or rest. It's the idea here. Jesus' baptism, the spirit resting upon him like a dove. This is new creation. The wrath of God that was going to be poured out upon Israel, upon these people who didn't repent, is now poured out upon Jesus, upon the cross. Gives you just a wonder of what baptism means. And so when Jesus told us to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, it's pointing us back to this moment. Points us back to the cross and what Jesus has accomplished for us. Later on, the Apostle Paul will say in Romans 6, all, all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. What it represents this initiation ceremony. You've come from death to life. Okay, so that's kind of part one. After you've been initiated, you can't just stay there. You can't just be, okay, I'm baptized now, I'm saved. There needs to be growth. There needs to be teaching. And friends, what are some of Jesus' commandments? That's what he tells us to do. He goes, we are to teach all of Jesus' commandments. What are some of Jesus' classic commandments? What can we think of at the top of our head? Let's call that some. Love your, love your enemies, yeah. Love your Lord your God, yeah. I love Matthew 7, 12. So in everything you do to others, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. These are part of the commandments that Jesus has taught us. And obedience, I think Jesus sums up really well in the parable of two sons. You can read it in Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 to 32. Very simple parable. In the parable, Jesus says there's a father who owns a vineyard. He asks the older son, hey, go out and work in the vineyard. The older son says, nah, I'm not doing that. But then he changes his mind later on. He asks the younger son, hey, can you go and work in my vineyard? The younger son says, yes, I will. But then he doesn't. And Jesus says, well, who's, who's the son that was obedient? course it was the older one that's what obedience to jesus teaching looks like after we've been baptized into jesus to represent and to reflect upon his death his resurrection the life transformation that we've experienced we understand his teachings so our lives look like him um the apostle john apparently before he died um he would get up in church and every Sunday, he would get up and say, little children love one another. Every Sunday. This old man, you have to be carried up to the front, just say, little children love one another. And according to um, uh, Jerome, he was an early church father, he, he recounts his story that everyone got a bit sick of him saying it. They go, oh man, seriously, John, just, just say something different. And then John went on and he says, they go and they'll ask this question, Master, Master, why do you always say this? Because John replied, it is the Lord's command. And if this is only done, it is enough. Friends, that's part of what we've been called to do. Jesus, to show love. That's part of his commandments. We're baptized and we're initiated into faith. We have to continue to build upon what he has taught us, upon his commandments. Hey, friends, we need to teach the truth of Jesus. And this is a bit of a, I guess, a snapshot for banter. We'll unpack this a little bit more. 
But Matthew deliberately contrasts um, before the Great Commission, the, the soldiers' report. So you can read about how the soldiers run away. And then they basically, here they are taught, it's the same word that Jesus used for teaching. The disciples are to teach all Jesus' commandments. The Pharisees and the um, scribes, they teach the soldiers to lie about Jesus. It's very deliberate. Matthew does this on purpose. Because we're called to teach the truth of Jesus. If Jesus is still dead, then our faith is pointless. It's hopeless. Our baptism is useless. Because we're not really truly baptized by the Holy Spirit. Friends, I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, Jesus is either a Lord, liar, or a lunatic. So Matthew's, in a sense, challenging us. He's like, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the soldier's report where Jesus is still dead? Or are you going to believe the truth that Jesus is alive, ruling, and reigning? So I guess the question is, how do we teach? How do we teach? And in small group this week, I'm going to ask, I asked you a question about contextualization, which is a fancy way of saying you have to teach the truth of Jesus in a way that people understand. We can teach Jesus in many ways. We can teach about Jesus right now here in church. We can teach about Jesus in our workplaces. Use Bible studies. There's lots of opportunities for us to teach about Jesus. But I think one of the best ways to teach about Jesus is our lives, that our lives reflect him. And John Christopherson, in his commentary on Matthew, he very perceptively notes, just before Jesus gets up on the Sermon on the Mount, he said here, um, and for what reason is the clause added, he opened his mouth to inform you that in his very silence, he gave instruction, not only when he spoke. At one time he taught by opening his mouth, while at another by the works that he did. Friends, if you have been baptized, if you have been initiated into the kingdom, if you are there committed to learning the commands of Jesus, to be constantly being taught by him, yes, sure, we teach with our mouths, but our lives should be doing that. That's what reflects being an apprentice of Jesus, an apprentice who's been baptized, who's committed to Jesus' teachings. Now, next Sunday, we have the privilege of baptizing three people. Are they here? I can't see Jackie. I don't think she's here. No. I'm going to baptize Jackie. I'm going to baptize Gustavo, her son. And I'm going to baptize Isabel, her youngest, because they've recognized the call of Jesus upon their life. They don't all want to live in darkness and in sin but live in the light of the kingdom. And this is a call out to anyone here. How about you? If you've been taught lots and lots about Jesus and willing to make that plunge, come talk to me after the service. Come get baptised. It's what the Master called us to do. It's part of making disciples is to be baptised. It's not about joining the church or becoming a church member. It's about obedience to him. It's about jumping in with that. Well, that's what I love about unpacking that part of Matthew. It's, you see, it's this connection just woven into Scripture about joining our master into his death. Jesus bore the wrath of God upon him by entering into those waters and upon the cross. And by doing that, we're partnering with the master himself, saying that I should have had God's wrath poured upon me. Instead, it's laid upon Jesus, and now I can be called a son and daughter of God.
How about you next week? The tank will be here. Come in and get baptised. And even if you on the day decide I want to get baptised, come on in. I would encourage you, we are a Baptist church. That's what we want to do. We want to see people baptised in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And before I close today, I'm going to read Paul's words from Romans chapter 6. I haven't got them there on the slide. Well, this is, I guess, a benediction for us about what baptism represents us as Christians. Paul says here, Romans 6 verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Let me pray for us all. Yeah, Father, we just give you thanks for the depth and the complexity of your word. It can be so simple, yet as we start to dig deeper, just see the richness out of it and the richness of that symbol of baptism, the sign act that John performed out in the wilderness to show the turning of the coming wrath and how Jesus takes that wrath and bore it upon the cross. And so now as your sons and daughters who have been baptized in your name, we just reflect how we are new, a new creation, made in your image, ones who are baptized by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, if there's those here that feel the tug to be baptized, to step into the waters as our Lord and Savior Jesus has done, I pray you'll just stir in their hearts, Lord. I pray for those of us who have gone into the waters of baptism, that we make that commitment to be disciples who are constantly seeking to teach and to be taught your commandments to reflect Jesus in our words and in our actions everywhere we go. And so, Lord, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.